Welcome back to season two of your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. Dude, we made it. Oh, man. Incredible, dude. I can't... This is just... just I'm so excited I know. for just this whole season, but mm-hmm. today's episode, I mean, listeners, first off, thank you for coming back. Mm-hmm. Welcome. We feel rested. We feel stronger. Yeah. And we're ready to just rock out season two. And we couldn't think of a better way to kick off our second season of That Would Be Rad than to have our special guest that's with us today. This is a man of many talents. He's an actor, a producer, a podcaster, and even a game creator. You know him from TV hits like Pretty Little Liars, Popular, Magnum P.I., and Expedition Bigfoot. Or perhaps you caught him in theaters Mm -hmm. in movies like Darkness Rising or our favorite, Willow Creek. You can also catch him weekly on one of our favorite podcasts, Bigfoot Collectors Club, our friend, and now yours, the one, the only, Mr. Bryce Johnson. Hey, what's up, fellas? <laughs> hey, man, how's it going? How are you? It's going so good. First, just let me say what an honor and a privilege to be on uh, on your podcast, man. I love what you guys do. Man. So thanks for having me here. Oh, thank Dude, you so thank much. thank you so much, man. It's like, uh, I mean, one of the reasons why we called our podcast That Would Be Rad is because Tyler and I would just kind of sit around ever since we've known each other and just kind of be like, man, wouldn't it be cool or wouldn't it be rad if, you know, yada, 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 right? If we got to meet Big, Bigfoot in real life or if we saw a flying, you know, whatever it is. Yes. But before we started this podcast, no lie, we were just kind of sitting around and Tyler being an avid fan of, of Bigfoot Collectors Club and introducing me to it. Oh, yeah. We were like, man, how rad would it be if, you know, down the line at some point in a couple years – we could get somebody from Bigfoot Collectors Club, one of those awesome dudes, to come mm-hmm. on our show, and now here we are. So, <laughs> man, it's oh, like man. you put it out there in the universe, man, and bam. You know, it's just, it's, yeah, we, that's like, right. to say, like, thank you for taking the time is just not even enough, man. It just means the world to us. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm really happy to be here, and, uh, and you know what, before the end of... Uh, your second season, we'll make sure you get Michael and Riley on there as well. Dude, so. that would be so sick, man. Oh, yeah, that's trifecta. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I was probably on my third sort of binge listening to every episode all the way through, and I kept bugging Woody like, mm-hmm. man, you got to listen to this podcast. you got to listen to this podcast. And and I've been listening to podcasts for years, but like, uh, actually, I think I even said this on the last episode, but uh, it was like there's something about you guys that, it's like, you know, the real sort of loosey-goosey, like, friend dynamic. But there's also this, like, really nice sort of, like, mm-hmm. format that I was just like, man, this is, this is like, doable. This, is, this feels like something that, like, 
you know, we would sort of like be a part of. So, you know, your show like really, really inspired us. And, you know, the first few episodes, uh, we both just rave about it, you know, of our podcast. Yeah, so. it's basically uh, the first like 10 episodes is essentially a commercial for Bigfoot Collectors Club. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah. you know, thank you. First yeah, of all, thank is. you so much. I mean, you know, when I met Michael and I, we can get into a little bit more of that, but we really just wanted to create... um sort of a friends talking about the strange. And, you know, I, I, I've listened to a, quite a few podcasts on the paranormal too. And, and a lot of them have a sort of, sort of a very serious overture. And, and, and we thought, you know, some of this stuff is so strange and so weird, man. Let's just, you know, have fun with it. And, you know, it's kind of a great way to open people up to the strange, uh, the world yeah. of the strange. And so, and so, yeah, we, we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we definitely take the uh, the topic of, of high strangeness seriously. And so that's sort of where it all mm -hmm. fit together. Yeah. And I think it's so cool, too, because, you know, on one hand, you could be talking about something really just kind of, you know, um, I would say just to the normal sort of layperson, potentially kind of just out there. Right. And then mm -hmm. you hit him with and then you hit him with Uncle Dickie. And then, it's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, like, trying, oh, trying okay. to sell some ball shavers Rest too while we're at it. So, hey, <laughs> yeah. hey, you man, know. you know, I mean, yeah, it's the best. <laughs> oh, man. You know, and, and like there's so many different things that, that we want to kind of ask you guys, you know, having you on the show and stuff like that. But I think a, a good place to start for us today is, you know, kind of focusing in on what I would consider um, one of the most significant pieces of, you know, like an artifact in, in Bigfoot history, and that's the, the Patterson-Gimlin footage. Sure. Um, you know, but before we mm -hmm. dive into that, one thing that I'm super interested in is, like, what sparked your interest in Bigfoot and, and high strangeness? You know, because when I think back in my own memory, it's like, when did I first see Bigfoot, right? And right. It was a picture, mm -hmm. I think, from the still or a, a still photo from the footage of the Patterson Gimlin film. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. like what sticks out in my mind. That sounds about Those right. Pendulous breast. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, for me, uh, um, and I and I talk about it on the podcast, but I had a real strange experience when I was about five years old. Um, just to do like a, a brief, brief version of it. I go into the longer details on, on our podcast, but um, I saw something in my window um, mm -hmm. late in the late in the early morning hours. And uh, it was sort of this, it, it looked, it had, it was just the head, right? And so I'm in a bunk bed, my brother's on the top bunk, I'm on the bottom. And I remember it must've been like in the middle of the night. <clears throat> and I found my eyes just sort of popping open and 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 in the window, this sort of red glowing devil-like character walks profile, stops right in the middle of the window, and then just turns its head towards me with these sort of yellow piercing glowing eyes and just like peered right through my soul, turned away and then and then walked off. Obviously, I didn't get back to sleep or whatever, but uh, hmm. but I, I, you know, that was the spark for me. And God, you you know, you talk to a lot of these people who get hooked on this stuff, and there's always something that that happened in their life yeah. that sparked an interest like that. But after that, it was you know, in in grade school and middle school, if if there was the school library or the or the the bookmobile, which was always more mm -hmm. more rad, oh. and uh, I would always mm -hmm. you know check out 
anything on books on it started with ghosts, right? I would love books with ghosts. And then mm-hmm. and then from there, you're moving into, you know, cryptids, Loch Ness Monster. And then and then and then oh, of course, yeah. you're going to stumble upon a Bigfoot book. Um, and mm-hmm. that, that's really where it all started. And I do remember seeing the Patterson Gimlin footage played on In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. In our modern world of concrete and steel, we're far removed from the Indian lore of Bigfoot. It's hard to imagine any corner of our crowded world where a giant man-like creature could roam free. Yet there's persuasive evidence that Bigfoot is real. Mm. I became oh, immediately yeah. fixated on all those all those old shows that that just explored uh, mysteries. I loved that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I I, th- I think for our generation and yours, that show was like a real sort of gateway. I think. Yeah. Oh you yeah, know? and that's and such it, a, and it. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, gateway is such a, such a great word, isn't it? Because I mean, really, it's like it, it it these topics they just pull you in, and then they 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 yeah. get a hold of you, and they don't let go. And just when you yeah. think you kind of have it figured out, this is what I've found, you know, because I'm kind of new to this game. And, and you know, throughout this episode, as you know, like our podcast is pretty broad. We talk about everything from, yeah, you know, cryptids and stuff and things that we think are really interesting and, and UFOs and strange phenomenon and, and all these kind of things. But we also talk about, you know, our favorite 80s movies. I mean, just yeah. Last week, I, I watched all 12 of the Friday the 13th movies. Oh, that's just incredible. Just so that we could release this week. Yeah, it was uh, quite a task. But I love that. You guys would be so proud of me. I have this list on my on my phone, and it's all the movies that really defined me in the 80s. And, and, oh, and with yeah. my kids, my daughter and my son, it's like on a Friday night, it's like, okay, this is what's next, coming to yes. America. You know what it's yeah. like? Yeah. It's just like, and, and they're like, it's great to watch them sort of, you know, pick up on these movies that really formulated my character. I mean, because there's mm-hmm. there's some okay movies out there today, but man, they just don't have that yeah. that certain panache yeah. that those that those eighties movies did. And so, yeah, I, I, I mean, there's like a certain like that. spirit about the eighties movies. Like even yeah. one that we just watched recently, like One Crazy Summer. You know, like oh yeah, any, man, that, that yeah. like anything is possible kind of vibe that all these eighties movies have. Just, man, mm-hmm. it's really tough to kind of find that in anything today. And I don't know if that's because, you know, the current generation is, you know, it's harder to convince them of that. But, mm-hmm. man, I just I just love that time. But, you know, so because our audience is so sort of broad and all over the place in terms of what they're kind of coming to listen to, some of the questions that I am going to ask is kind of for the benefit of those that may not know much about Bigfoot in general or, yeah, of course. you know, especially like Patterson-Gimlin and stuff like that. But PGF starter course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bigfoot one-on-one. That's yeah, it. Exactly. Uh, you know, I've got a couple of different questions about this. Number one, in your in your opinion, mm-hmm. would you say that this is still literally like the sort of best, most significant footage that exists out there? Well, it certainly seems to be. And, you mm-hmm. know, I think a lot of people forget that this was taken in – 1967 with a 16 millimeter camera that was rented from a drugstore, and I don't know if you've ever yep. ever held one of these things, but they're really heavy, and they're mm-hmm. and they're not easy to shoot with. And you know, the idea that I think people often forget that you know there's really no retakes on a roll of film. You know, 
Um, what he shot with uh, Roger Patterson on that 16 millimeter and what he turned in, there was no like take one, take two. <laughs> you know what I right, mean? It was, right. it was really <laughs> just like, you know, 952 frames of, of this, what appears to be a, a female Sasquatch wa- walking across the sandbar and, and glancing back at both him and, and Bob Gimlin, who, who were on horseback at the time. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that, and that was it, you know? Um, so what you see is really what you get. And, um, the thing about the Patterson Gimlin footage is, and we could just, you know, get it out of the way right now. No one's ever going to prove its authenticity and no one's ever going to mm-hmm. prove that it's a hoax. So mm-hmm. it really is what you make of it. I mean, people have tried both ways from Sunday to validate it or to debunk it, whatever. So, it's all it's already past that. It's in the world of mythos now. And right. what's incredible about that piece of film and, you know, particularly for me is it is it sparked, you know, I've talked to a lot of Bigfooters and and uh people who are interested in the subject and it's and it's that piece of film alone that has really brought so many people into this into this topic of of do these creatures exist and are they walking around the woods of, of North America and other places in the world? Do, do monsters really exist, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. And that's what like, you know, full disclosure, and this is probably going to be funny to you guys, but you know, I literally didn't even realize or notice or come to the understanding that it was a female until I, I honestly, I'm sure Tyler told me a million times, mm. but I think I, I was listening did. to one of y'all's episodes and I was like, Pendulous, like what? And then rewatching, yeah. I'm like, wow, how did I miss those puppies? Um, yeah, yeah, you know? totally. Well, you know, they Gorgeous. they call the creature. Roger Patterson named it Patty after his wife. So you yeah. know, people henceforth sort of refer to that that Sasquatch as Patty. But you know, mm-hmm. there's some great lore that's kind of surrounded by that film. And what I think people a lot of people miss is is the context that's around that film. In other words what happened leading up to capturing that film and, and what mm. happened after the fact. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that film was taken in, in Bluff Creek, uh, like I said, in 1967 on October 20th. And and Roger Patterson, you know, he was in the Yakima area where Bob Gimlin lived. And, and he got a call from one of his sources up there that they were finding tracks all around yeah. that area. And not just one set of tracks, but different sized tracks big tracks and little tracks. So which kind of hints at, you know, mm-hmm. was there a family a, around this area, walk a family or a group of these creatures sort of walking around this area? And and so he immediately, you know, came to Bob Gimlin because he knew in order to really trek that area, he wanted to use horses. He was a rodeo cowboy and, and you know, really familiar with horses. And, and Bob Gimlin, I mean, God, that man, they call him the horse whisperer. He can, you know... He really understands yeah, uh, horses. So anyway, he picks up Bob and they and they head into that into that area. And they had been they had been combing that that sort of Bluff Creek territory for the better part of of two weeks. And it wasn't until really you know they were going to give up. I mean, it was it was close to their time being done. You know, they had to they had to get out of that area. And then that says wow. as they describe it, and you know, you can still hear getting off topic a little bit, Bob Gimlin discuss it. If you, you know, just Google him and YouTube or whatever, and, and you can hear his very own account, which hasn't changed over 50 years. I mean, the details of it are 
exactly the same way as he told it back then. But you know, and and, and he kind he kind of went into hiding. Well, not hiding, but he didn't really talk about it for years and years also, which I, I believe lends to his credibility a little. Yeah, well, like a lot of this stuff, it, it changed their life and not exactly mm-hmm. for the better, especially right. On, right. on Bob's part. And uh, yeah, so th- they're riding in and, and all of a sudden, you know, Roger's horse bucks. And it really wasn't until that horse buck that he saw it. And, and what he said he saw was this this large hairy creature about 200 feet away, mm-hmm. possibly drinking from this stream. But uh, so he gets off of his horse and, and this creature, as soon as it spots the horses, it's interesting with the horses, they think they might've snuck up on it, you know, because uh, mm. horses move through that, through that type of dense forest r- really silently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, as it starts to walk away, he scrambles into his saddlebag to grab that camera and, uh, and he's trying to just turn the thing on. And, you know, it's, it's so funny because I've been in the woods and, and I hear a sound. And, uh, but anyway, so I've been in the woods and when I hear something, it takes me a second to even get my iPhone out and like try and focus in right. on something. It's like, it's not easy to capture something that happens in the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, one of the things yeah. we talk about on our show, Tyler and I both have relatively young kids and it's like, try taking a picture at the beach or something, oh, you know, and like yeah. you, you can't capture it. You know, there's always something going on. That's just trying to get a family picture, much less trying to capture something in action out yeah. in the woods. And, and the while kind of, kind of like coming down from like your horse that just bucked, and he's and he's like, wouldn't he? He was trying to get like around the other side. Yeah. Of like well, imagine imagine his heart racing on oh, that, yeah. and so as he oh, starts yeah. to shoot, and you can see it in the beginning frames of that film, it's really shaky and so he actually mm-hmm. goes down to the ground and sets the camera on a log to steady himself and that's when that film really so starts good. to take on a life and and it gets steady enough just to see this creature taking these you know pretty easy strides along this sandbar and then that famous frame where where she looks back mm-hmm. and I always loved you know Roger Patterson he said uh he said if you ever played baseball you know when you're irritating the umpire and he gives you that look, that umpire gives you yeah. that look of one more time and you're out of here. He right. said, yeah. Uh, yeah. that's the look they got from that creature. Like she was pissed. She was not happy that they were there. Man. And then she, you know, Bob and Bob Gimlin, of course, uh, you know, dismounted his horse and he grabbed his uh, r- rifle. He said he never pointed at the thing, you know, but uh, yeah. he, he was just getting Rogers back if he needed it. And, uh, well, and, and I think Pat Patterson even yelled out, cover me. Yeah, it was that's like, right. Yeah. It was like, whoa, this is like a huge thing. And, you know, I'm sure they were both sort of scared too. You would have to be. I mean, you would have yeah. to be. And even me doing Expedition Bigfoot on sometimes when I'm, you know, doing a night investigation and I'm going through those woods of a, a, of a, of a hot zone really – and it's like mm-hmm. I, I'm backed up right against fear and courage. And and I'll tell you one thing: <laughs> yeah. when that camera's on you, you know, you get like courage. You're like, well, I can't back. I got to keep moving <laughs> forward. You know, I I got to get this shot. I got I to gotta give the people what they want. You're damn right. Yeah. You know. And so it's so funny that you bring that up, man. Because I, I literally one one of the things I wanted to ask you about specifically about Expedition Bigfoot was just that because there's this scene and I, I'm pretty sure it's in season two that like really struck me as like, holy shit, dude, I would be terrified. There's this part where you're like, you look at 
you hear something or no, I think you hear a twig snap and you're mm. looking at the camera and you're like, man, how freaky is it when a twig and then you get interrupted Oh yeah, I know exactly. I know the exact moment yeah. you're talking about because uh, it just felt like something was moving around ahead of me, and not so much a, a bear, you know, because I've seen bears, and uh, mm -hmm. and which is pretty rare in and of itself, being out there, right. Right. just seeing bears. But you just what happens is this this sixth sense comes about you that something's watching you. Something is like yeah. something large and ominous has eyes on you, you know. And, but yeah, I was like that at that moment, I was like, that's when the fear got to just like stop moving. You could see it sort of just like, oh, yeah, I, I it, stop it's everything. so natural. Like, you can, uh, what's happening here? You yeah, know? <laughs> it was just a really cool moment to, to, that they captured because, you know, it's just that pure sort of reaction yeah. is just it was just really really cool i often ask myself if there weren't you know a, a, a cameraman behind me would i would i be doing that you know and it's like <laughs> so they lend a lot of courage to my i'm like yeah. hey you got to make a show you know but um yeah but back to back to patty so and then she just walks away in into the into the tree line and uh, never stumbles once you know just just kind of lumbers along easily and, but going back to those multiple tracks and why they just got so lucky, perhaps, is some people have speculated, and I always liked this idea, I'm sort of a romantic, that, that you know, it, there actually was a group of Sasquatches in that area, and uh, mm -hmm. her young might have been there, around there as well. And, well, uh, and wouldn't there, not to cut you off, but wasn't there like, I don't know where I heard this, but I feel like... It was years and years ago, maybe on a podcast or something, but I seem to remember that there was like somebody was trying to sort of say that like in one one or two of the frames, like mm. if you pause it at the right spot or whatever, it almost looked like there was like a smaller one sure. knelt down yeah. in the background. Yeah, that's exactly what? right. And uh, And so some people have speculated that she's really leading these guys away from her from her offspring. Oh, wow. And and that's why she exposed herself in, the, in that clearing like that and, and led them away, which worked too because they followed her on horseback yeah. and they tried, they were both, for first, by the way, Bob Gimlin is an expert tracker and, uh, mm -hmm. and Roger Patterson was no slouch himself in that area. So they tracked that, uh, those tracks into the dense forest line for almost up to a mile and a half. And, yeah. um, you know, for those who think it, 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 it was it was a hoax or a guy in a, in a gorilla costume, it almost becomes laughable because just the idea of of trying to move in the in a wooded area with that suit and, 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 and wooden stompers, because wow. I, I think a lot of people forget is that the tracks that that creature made, Patty, they did go back the next day, well, in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. really, and plaster cast those. So they we do have... Uh, plaster casts of that trackway made by that creature and that's compounding evidence for me Man. so that's that's what i like to call like a triangulation of evidence you have more than one witness mm -hmm. you have videographic proof for lack of a better word mm -hmm. and then you have contextual evidence which is those plaster casts um, and it's not just one there was there was you know 10 casts taken by a gentleman named bob titmus who who went back there yeah. a week later and those tracks were still there mm -hmm. um so, you know, that's, that's a lot of evidence that just points to something being very real. You know, and I often yeah. like to say, too, even like if that film never existed, if that film, you know, was never shot or there was no, you know, Roger Patterson or Bob Gimlin, this Bigfoot phenomenon 
would still exist. You would still oh, yeah. have thousands of sightings reported every decade, every almost every year. You you know, still almost every indigenous tribe in North America and even around the world would have a name for a large, hairy, bipedal walking creature. And so th this phenomenon would still be alive and well had that film never even existed. But it's just that one yeah. piece that just will not go away, even with today's technology and people carrying around phones and having, you know, great video equipment and stuff. That's that's that one piece stands the test of time. And it really stands as a true testament to just, you know, how rare, how rare it is if these creatures exist to find one out in the open and capture one on video in the daylight, uh, unencumbered by seeing it through trees or anything and getting a good look at the entire creature, which is exactly what they did. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, have you seen anything that kind of comes close for you in terms of video footage? I know the, the one that comes to mind for me is, oh gosh, where was it? I think, um, oh, uh, Marble Mountain, that video? Yeah, the Marble Mountain video. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I talked to the guy, well, his son, who it was, it was a youth group, and, uh, and they were just out in the woods exploring. The Marble Mountain video was taken in, in Northern California, not too far from that area. I think that's the location. But anyway, so they stumble upon what looks like this nest, this sort of just strange twig structure. And it was really ornate, too. I mean, the twigs had been woven together, and it created sort of you know, this nesting area, covered nesting area. And and then one of the boys says, hey, there's, there's who the nest belongs to. It's Bigfoot. And up on the ridge, you see this, you know, you see this creature walking the ridge line and it seems to be quite upset. And, you know, I've paused that, that video just yeah. about every frame and you could see the arms hanging past the knees and, and, and trees in the background. And you're like, whatever that was is, is huge. And I, I do believe that is an authentic video of, of a Bigfoot creature. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's quite a few. I mean, I, I, I have about five or six that I, that I really like that I think are, are worth taking a look at. Um, but still none of them, you know, come close to, right. to that, yeah. uh, to that Patterson Gimlin footage. So, um, pretty incredible. Which I, I think one of the reasons too, that it stands the test of time is like, you know, it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation where if it's too good, then it's like, oh, well, it's it's Photoshop or it's yeah. editing. or but And so I think that's what's so great about like those, you know, our sort of analog technology, you know, the old evidence to me, it, it just seems, I don't know. And it, maybe it's sort of a weird sort of romanticized idea of looking into the past as like, oh, well, it's it's old, so it must be real. Yeah. I mean, obviously there were charlatans and hucksters back then, but like... There is something that just feels a little more sort of credulous about those old, you know. For sure, well, man. Examples. It's like I, I hate it when someone says, well, it looks like someone like in an ape suit. I'm like, dude, do you remember Planet of the yeah. Apes, man? This yeah. is like, you know, high budget Charlton Heston movie yeah. we're talking about here. Yeah, and those guys that me, made the Planet of the Apes costume said that's better than anything we could yeah, do. Exactly. Yep, and, yeah, uh, exactly. You, you know, the guy who said that it was a gorilla suit was the gorilla suit maker. His name was Philip Morrison. Yep. And his gorilla suits. I'll send you guys a picture here real quick. But they're 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 really quite la they're they're really laughable. And <laughs> yeah. uh, 
You, you guys remember that movie Trading Places, that the, the gorilla in oh, yeah. that movie? Which looked pretty great. <laughs> yeah, and then there's like a faker Halloween costume gorilla. Right. That's, well, that's the old Philip Morris costume, and that's what, what it oh. would have looked like back then. Um, I just texted you guys a picture of the old Philip Morris uh, gorilla out. costume. And the guy who claimed nice. to be Patty Bob Hieronymus standing next to it, who, you know, soaking wet is about 140 pounds. And <laughs> that <laughs> so dude sucks. Would not fill out that <laughs> would not fill out that that suit. But you know, to your point, th- th- that's a great point because I think a lot of people don't realize too that there was no sort of photo effects or or you know computer generated effects of like falsifying a, a video like right. that. You know mm-hmm. that that film. Uh, was deemed to be authentic and not messed with. And, uh, you know, it, it, I think a lot of, and, and a lot of Bigfooters would probably ag- agree that no, no picture or no amount of video will ever prove conclusively because we've already seen incredible videos, you right. know, and we've already right. seen incredible photographs. And so, and so the, they've come to the conclusion that it won't be a video or a photograph that proves the existence of this creature, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So you could take something incredible and people would still call it fake. Yeah. And the unfortunate yeah. thing for Bigfoot, you know, if it does exist, is that I think that it would be sort of one of those like King Kong capture display kind of sad yeah. moments it would be the only thing that people would, you know, potentially believe in that and that just sucks you know yeah well i mean that's a whole other part of the equation right is what do you do if you do sort Mm -hmm. of quote unquote capture one of these things whether it's via tranquilization or or death by bullet you know um or roadkill you know Uh, what what do you what do you do with it afterwards you know um if you did capture one alive i mean so i don't think i think a lot of people don't even get to that part of the question (laughs) yeah right yeah well, even Patterson, I think, said in his later years, you know, because he, he went through so much sort of ridicule. Yeah. Um, it, he said, I, I, I wish I would have shot the damn thing. Yeah, that's because, right. On his deathbed, you he know, said because, that. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of speaks to what these guys, what both of these guys experienced after the fact. I mean, their lives completely were upended and not for the not yeah. for the best. You know, they didn't mm-hmm. make a lot of money on this film. In fact... They received a lot of ridicule, uh, even death threats, and their their lives really changed f- for the worse. Um, you know, people have really sort of come around to Bob Gimlin, who's still alive today, and and it's nice he gets to sort of have his moment in the sun, which is great because I, I know Bob yeah. and I've spoken with him a few times, and and man, there isn't a more stellar character. I mean, yeah, you know his his life story is incredible he used to be a, a bodyguard and uh and it was he was a sailor and he's a and he's a just an excellent horseman and and you what know he like a boxer yeah he was a boxer in the in the navy that's right and i think yeah. god i for i think he was like a bodyguard for like barber mandrell and like but he's just has oh, these incredible wow. incredible life that he's lived and unfortunately wow. patterson died at the uh young young age of 39 of uh of hot hodgkin's lymphoma so dang um right when this thing was at its prime controversy you know um he passed away so you know well, which was only like 10 years later or something yeah was in the 70s yeah when, yeah when so uh so he you know he i you don't realize he probably didn't think that that film would would, would outlast just about everything but you know it's the second yeah. most seen film 
in the world right after the Zabruder film of JFK's assassination. Oh, wow. So, yeah. you know, there's there's not a person you can walk by on the street who, you know, if you ask, hey, Joe, you, you ever see Bigfoot? Oh, that thing walking across the, yeah, I've seen that, you know, yeah, or seen yeah. a picture of yeah, it. Yeah. Truly probably, the I guess, the, the first viral video, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You brought up uh, Bob Hieronymus earlier. Tell us a little about a little bit about this character because I cannot stand this guy. <laughs> well, he's just one of three people who claim to be the the, right. the man in the suit, and and right away, mm-hmm. you know, they all three yeah. can't be telling the truth. But he's he's a gentleman who claimed to have so never been paid, but supposed to be paid by by the boys to uh, to be this guy in the suit walking up the up the sandbar or whatever. Right. And, uh, you know, I think I think he gets a lot of attention because there was a video of him in his later years when he's much fatter and much older, <laughs> like imitating, <laughs> imitating uh, Patty's walk, you know, and it's easy to do that after the fact. And he's sort of walking and, right. and people are like, that's it. That's the walk. That must be him in the suit, you know, but but I always like to point out and I and, and that's why I sent you that picture. In 1967, Bob Hieronymus was probably what, like maybe 5'8", 140 pounds. Right, right. Uh, and he just does not fill out that suit. And, and he's even told some interviewers like, well, I wore football pads and, you know, yeah, shoulder pads exactly. and I, I put sticks on my arms. And, and, and you're just going. Oh, and at this point, it becomes almost like a, a clown circus. And 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 so extremely laughable, especially because when you when you actually examine those 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 foot casts, which is what Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum did, and which really mm-hmm. sort of convinced him of their authenticity, uh, but it just becomes laughable that it's, uh, you know, you if you really look closely at that film, you can see the musculature and the in the in the calves and in the thighs and in the and and in just that neck that that creature has like this bull's neck and it's just like you know. It, it's in, it's going to be individual to each person, and for me, it's always I really trust my gut, right? And I've always I always just go with what my gut's telling me. And when I see that film, I feel like I'm looking at something that's not supposed to exist. Same, yeah, you know. Yeah. So yeah, just pretty incredible stuff. Well, Bryce, if we had if, if we were able to interview Einstein, the last thing I would talk about would be the theory of relativity. I would want to talk about spooky action at a distance. Oh, yeah. So having having you here, let's get into the weird part of the Bigfoot phenomenon. Let's get into like the glimmer man cases and the the kind of weird sort of cloaking aspects. Mm -hmm. I love that stuff. I think it was season two of Expedition Bigfoot. There's a scene where uh, Dr. Mayer is, you know, she's filming. And I think it's with, with the, you know, the heat flare uh, camera, I, I think. Yeah. And you see, you know, this sort of standing upright figure, I guess, if you would. And mm-hmm. it all of a sudden the legs kind of start disappearing and it's like the the light or the heat signature starts kind of like fading, closing away. in on itself. Yeah. And it turns into like a little orb and then moves on. <laughs> so <laughs> strange. <laughs> but yet yeah. so cool, right? I mean, it's so metal. I mean, uh, it's, oh, amazing. It's, so, uh, it's amazing. Bigfoot goes back into his alternate dimension. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't give any of this stuff too much weight if I didn't hear people's actual accounts uh, of that type of stuff happening and seeing those strange balls of light in the field myself. And, you know, yeah. for me, Bigfoot and its association with high strangeness came when I read the book uh, Hunt for the Skinwalker by George Knapp and Dr. Colm Kelleher. And that's sort of the book 
everybody kind of knows what Skinwalker Ranch is today. Mm -hmm. uh, it's this, you know, create, they call it the paranormal Disneyland. It's this, it's this territory in, in northern Utah. But anyway, they wrote the book uh, almost, God, 15 plus years ago. And uh, it was a property at that time bought by Robert Bigelow, who owns SpaceX. And he's always been interested in the, in the paranormal, saw UFO when he was a young boy. So he, once he started hearing about the, the paranormal activity that was happening on this ranch from the rancher and his family, I mean, they were literally driven off the land. He, he immediately bought it up and he set up a scientific team called NIDS, the National yeah. Institute of Discovery Science, Sciences. And they just... They rigged up the whole property with cameras and deer stands, and they they were just going to run a scientific investigation of the of the paranormal ex experiences people were having on this property, and and it eluded them every time. Uh, one of the researchers yeah. on there, I think his name is Eric Davis, who's kind of steeped in in UFO controversy today, but. Um, he said, you know, he called it a precognitive sentience. In other words, if they were planning on setting up a camera trap in this area, the the phenomenon would know about it and it would and it would trigger yeah. it before the before they could even get there or after the fact. Yeah. It's an incredible book. I, I I highly recommend it. But but anyway, so to get back to Bigfoot and High Strangeness, they were doing a uh a nighttime investigation and a few of the scientists were in the deer stand and they're just sort of, they got the idea to turn on their, their, their night vision camera recorders and they, on this, on this pathway uh, off in the distance and they do and they turn it on and they see sort of this, for lack of a better word, a portal opening up. It's a ball of light right. that just starts opening and stretching and Whoa. What they see next is something with its hands grab the edge of that portal and with its big foot come walking out of that portal. And, I love it. And there's a picture of it. I'll send it to you guys. And it looks like a damn Bigfoot creature stepping yeah. out of the portal. And then they say it walked what? off into yeah. the woods. And for me, and when I saw that picture, I'm going to find it right now. I was like, oh. <laughs> okay, so Bigfoot comes out of portals. That makes sense. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Holy cow. You know, man. I think and I think of people look, there's a few different camps, right? A lot of people they don't have right. time for that as they say, but but right. just because some evidence or some stories or some testimony doesn't fit in their little box of what they think that that this creature is, just an unconfirmed flesh and blood North American wood ape. And they right. don't want to hear about UFOs and they don't want to hear about balls of light and, and cloaking. And I'm saying, well, I do. Let me discern. Let me discern myself yeah, right. whether, whether this is in context of the Bigfoot phenomenon or not. Because if we're ever going to get to the bottom of this thing, I mean, we have to know everything about what we're looking at, you know? Mm -hmm. um, hold on, I'm going to copy this right now and send it to you guys. I love this picture. And they, you know, they used to have a website for for Skinwalker Ranch where they kind of displayed all their um, evidence. And that website has since been taken down. But this is where I got the the picture called Portal Opening with Something Emerging. <laughs> and uh, it's just, it's one <laughs> of my favorite photos. I'm going to share it with you now. I don't think you could find it anymore. Thank God it's still on my phone. Um well, and, and and I think Bigelow has kind of since been, I mean, it's, you know, since then it's been bought by uh, a new 
guy and a new yeah, sort Brandon Fugel, a, a real estate magnate of, of Utah, right. too, who's also very interested in the paranormal. So I think he, I think they've passed the baton nicely, and and since yeah, then they have yeah. that new show on uh, on the travel, the Skinwalker Ranch show, where they're where they're with, with money comes high tech tools and right, comes right. investigative power, and so they're looking into the phenomenon, and and that's what mm-hmm. I kind of love about even something like Expedition Bigfoot is we're bringing to bear resources to look into this phenomenon, you know? I mean, dude, like that's one of my favorite things about that show too is it's not just kind of like, hey, we've got some cameras and we're following some folks in the woods, you know, who are out squatching or whatever. This is like you've got this high-tech data that you're using, this algorithm to determine like, you know, where the highest probability of some sort of interaction or or whatever based on all this stuff and like the LIDAR stuff, I mean, it's just, man, in, in terms of just being an audience member watching this unfold, it's super cool. Well, and it works and, and too because I, I got to tell you, I mean, the, the shit we've experienced is uh, I think unparalleled in, in Bigfoot research. I mean, other than like, you know, video recording one of these creatures out in the open clearing in daylight right. hours, I mean – uh, I mean, footprints, vocalizations, hair. Oh, man. I mean, we had that, uh, you know, there was a tree structure in Kentucky where Dr. Mayer yep. took an eDNA sample, which stands for environmental DNA. You could basically mm-hmm. just take a little soil sample and that'll tell you every bioorganism that's ever existed in that, in that plot of land. And, and what came back from the lab was, and it's a very credible lab, was, was indicators of chimp DNA, which is, Nobody's ever found anything like that. And, you know, for those who don't know, there's no other animal on this planet that shares more closely our DNA than that of the chimp. But it's it's just another puzzle piece to this to this mystery. But if if we could sort of find evidence like that again and, and match those results or get more results like that, we could. This, we could really put this Bigfoot phenomenon into another chapter of, of, of scientific peer-reviewed analysis. And so that's why it's so great having someone like, you know, Dr. Maria Mayer on the show because mm. she's a f***ing primatologist, Fulbright scholar. Yeah. She has co-discovered the world's smallest primate. So she's not a TV mm-hmm. personality. I mean, this is somebody right, who's exactly. really, uh, she's a scientist uh, who's looking mm-hmm into this phenomenon because obviously she believes there's something to it, you know, mm-hmm. or, it's, or that it's worth looking into would probably be a better way to say right. it. Right, which is like, to me, it's interesting that, you know, <clears throat> I mean, frankly, she's kind of like putting it on the line a little 100%. bit. Right? With, with, within the scientific community, you know, it's always been one of those cryptids in general, I guess, have, have always been one of those subjects that kind of, in a way, could potentially "quote unquote" discredit. Oh, you, hundred percent. She's hundred percent. You're taking a risk by doing that. Yeah. Uh, any academic, yeah. any scientist, and, and, and you know, they hold on to their careers so tightly because it's so hard to get academic mm-hmm. recognition or or peer reviewed papers, and and you know, God, just one false move, and there goes your reputation as a scientist. As right. a reputation is all you have. So she, no, she's putting yeah. it all on the line yeah. and uh yeah. and so you got to get i mean i think that. it's yeah it's not only bad but it's also like it kind of seems a little backwards that that is what's putting it on the line you know it's like that is the essence of science 100%. discovering new things exactly. you know experimenting with ideas and so i just i mean i think you know you could pass it along for us man i we definitely applaud 
her for, for doing that. Oh, I that. definitely will. I, mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. She truly is like, like a true scientist. Yeah, if, I mean, you know? if there's a mystery, right? I mean, as a scientist, you're going to want to look into that. And you, even if you don't find the answers, you know, you, I, I, you, you're going to want to know what's going on, right? Isn't that the essence of, of, of exactly. being in this world is to, <laughs> to familiarize yourself with, with its laws and with your surroundings? And there's still yeah. so much we don't know. I mean... We are still just sort of crawling around in the dark, if, if, in, in my mm-hmm. humble opinion, as to what's really going sure. on with the nature of reality. After these messages, we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very intense For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures. From another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery... On the North American continent. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. Did you guys get that picture? Did it come through? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. What do you guys think of That's that? That's awesome. World, dude. It's crazy. That's Does that not look yeah. like a Bigfoot coming out of a portal? <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, man, it's insane. Now, the strange yeah, thing phenomenal. about that, if I remember, is that it left three toed tracks. Right. Um, that's exactly right. And, 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 and what's interesting is you'll get a lot of that in some of these strange Bigfoot accounts. Sometimes they have three toes, sometimes four, sometimes mm-hmm. six. So it's 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 never just five. And and of course, you know, most researchers, will, well, then that's not Bigfoot. <laughs> well, well, then what the fuck is that? You know, just yeah, some other right. hairy monster leaving tracks like, you know, like yeah. what are we talking about here? You know, how many Medium of these foot. are there? And, and you know, why is there a Southern Bigfoot and a, and a Floridian Bigfoot and a, and a Canadian Bigfoot and a Russian Bigfoot and a Chinese Bigfoot and a, an, an Indian Bigfoot? It's all over the exactly. world. I mean, that's something that fascinates the heck out of me, man, is just all around the world, different time periods, you know, there's some sort of account or yeah. legends or stories that speak of a creature that's so similar. It's just how could all these people from way back then separated from, you know, thousands Continents. of miles from each other yeah. just 
make up the same story. Yeah, I don't know. You know? And, and either this this creature does exist and and offshoots itself into multiple subspecies at a at an unprecedented pace, or you know, as Carl Jung thought, that there's something to psychic manifestation of the collective mm. unconscious. In other words, all societies, all people on this planet have a wild man of the woods archetype. You know, the woods represented right. a dark and scary place. And and when that happens, you know, something manifests in your mind of what lures in those place. And, and is it us? And it gets very, you know, I, I, I really love when, 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 deep psychology can meld with high strangeness because I do believe there's, you know, that the observer, in other words, the person who's witnessing, say, a Bigfoot Mm -hmm. is, is part of the interaction that plays a part in what they're perceiving. In other words, you, you spoke about sort of quantum physics, but, Mm -hmm. but each, each person, the observed and the observee, uh, is part of what's taking place at a molecular level. So, you know, it, that observer who's perceiving Bigfoot is, is their mind is really a big part of the puzzle of what they're perceiving, um, if that makes any you, sense. No, that's, yeah, for sure. that's my yeah. favorite topic. It's that Jacques Vallée sort of, which I think that really ties in and, and speaks to like the, you know, what once was a fairy abduction is now an alien gray. And mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. it's the same sort of thing. So are we that component that's sort of providing the, the cultural change in the way it looks. And, you know, I think it's all the same. I think it's, it's, it can tie into to Bigfoot and really, you know, all kind of paranormal. Um, one thing I was curious about is listening to uh, BCC probably six times every episode, you know, all the way through. <laughs> um, you would be the true believer. Like, so that would sort of be my role on the show mm-hmm. as well. And, I'm really curious as to how did the, you know, as someone who sort of can believe all sort of aspects, or not believe, but sort of... um, It's a tainted word. I know what you mean. You know what I mean. You're open-minded to it. Open-minded. Perfect. Now, having said that and helping you define that, that now makes me sound like I'm not open-minded to it. Well, no, what do you do? What do you (laughs) do? But but I'm like, I'm, you know, even more of like a, you know less logic, more like, well, no, I mean, I think that sounds pretty good. But, but my question is, is, you know, as somebody who, who is open-minded enough, uh, into sort of all things and the Jungian archetypes and, and the, the wild man thing, how did the, how did the eDNA sort of evidence, did it sort of, sort of shift your paradigm at all? Yeah, my my paradigm shifts quite often. Um, I, 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 I I often I struggle that. with with um, the materialistic nature of some of the the findings. Even in even in the UFO culture, you know, you can't yeah. you can't discuss Roswell without discussing you know metal ships from Zeta Reticuli. You know, not, not right. something psychological, but something very real, tangible that you hold in your right. hand. You fold up the mm-hmm. the paper thin metal, and it pops back out into its original form. Memory metal. And the same goes with Bigfoot. You know, I I love to talk about orbs and 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 cloaking Bigfoots, but at the same time, when you get an eDNA sample, I mean, that's 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 tangible. Yeah. It can be tested by science. Mm-hmm. It can be it, it can be reviewed and. And, uh, and, you know, I haven't, I haven't left out the, the, the flesh and blood theory that this, 
that this creature really could just exist in a habitat and, 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 you know, as a shy and extremely intelligent creature, just uh, right. escape the eyes of, of human society. I, ha- I don't have a problem with that. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, my, my thoughts on it shift all the time. And I often, and, you know, that's what, God, that's what I love about it is I know, I know that I'll never be able to pin it down. You know, same goes for mm-hmm. ghosts, same goes for UFOs, same goes for Bigfoot. I'll never have yeah. the, the answers. And, you know, and that's okay. As long as I, as long as the questions keep coming to me, then I stay satiated. I, and, and this is a great barometer for any of your listeners, whoever, and just in general of, Anybody who claims to know exactly what's going on, boom, full of shit, you know, that your meter, right, your, exactly. your meter yeah. can just, yeah. your meter can just run off, go, you know, because then you just know that, okay, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So any, right. anybody who claims they, they, they know what exactly is going on with Bigfoot or UFOs or alien greys or, yeah. or ghosts or the afterlife, you're, you're full of shit. Because, mm-hmm. you know, in hundreds of years of people looking into this, people way more qualified than me, you know, oh, yeah. the best thing people have are their guesses, you know. So, yeah, I, but yeah. yeah, no, my my theories constantly change. And, and you know, to kind of even talk on that, I being a true believer and I guess let me qualify that is because I, 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 I want to be a champion for the experiencer. I, I am an experiencer of, of strange phenomena. And so when people yeah, say... Too they witness something or they experience something, I believe in that experience, right? And now whether, whether mm. that's asking me, do, well, do I believe in the, in the Loch Ness monster that they experienced? I don't know, but I do believe that the experiencer experienced something out of the ordinary, right. something uh, that can't be, you know, <laughs> explained away. Right. Or, or to even sort of get even further into the weird territory, it's like, you know, your skeptic's going to be like, oh, well, they just sort of imagined it or they, it's just a mental thing. And it's like, well, <laughs> right. I mean, does that take away credibility? Right. So maybe that is, well, I, maybe that is a component of it. You totally. Know? I don't mind a little skepticism. I'm, I'm quite a skeptic myself. It's, it's those right. who are hell bent on debunking uh, people's experiences right. that I, that yeah. I really can't stomach. It's, it's funny too, because just like I, my wife has an example, she's not necessarily like a debunker, but she tends to kind of like in her mind approach things with, well, there's going to be a quote unquote logical explanation mm. for you know, X, Y, and Z, you know? And, and for me, I just love the, the, I love stories. I love, you know, reading, I love hearing about experiences and because I have, and Tyler's the same way I think, and that like our imagination is so vivid and, and, and yeah, we're very sort of like romantics too. Me too. I love to hear somebody describe their experience because I can put, I can visualize it. I can hear myself there. I can feel that, that emotion and that fear or, or, you know, and, and just the quest to just learn more about all these different things is just really what just, man, I, I yeah. love that about all of these different things, whether it's, you know, someone witnessing something in the sky or, you know, somebody being out in the woods with their scout troop and seeing, you know, what appears to be Bigfoot on a ledge or whatever. I mean, there's just so much of these things that happen that it's just, it's just so fascinating to me, man. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Well, what's weird to me is like just the, the, and I hate that, like, I feel like the word skeptic is very, it's just very like skewed in a way now, you know, it's like saying you're a skeptic 
it's almost like you have these like professional skeptics who it's like it's their job just to to shoot down everything. Yeah. And it's like yeah. It's like my my thing is sort of you know your skeptical come out and say oh well like the aerial. UFO thing in where was it Australia or South Africa? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But the aerial aerial phenomenon there. in South Africa. Yeah. yeah, it's like how is it that it's it easily flows out of your mouth to say, oh, it's just a mass hallucination. Well, I'll tell you why. Because here's the thing with 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 most skeptics is they've made up their mind. Exactly. They've made up their mind that this can't exist. It doesn't exist, and so therefore. Uh, on that basis alone, these people must be hallucinating or making it up, and there's no other option. There's no room uh, Matt- for for <laughs> something anomalous could have happened. And and you know, John Keel, who was a, a famed Fortean investigator, oh, yeah. one of the one of the OGs of paranormal. Oh, yeah. um, one of my favorite quotes is, "Belief is the enemy," and and so yeah. never believe in anything. Whether I so it's funny, I am sort of a true believer, but. But uh, I, I don't know what I believe, and, I'm, and nothing's going to ever pin down my beliefs because I want to stay open to everything. I don't want right. to be locked in a mindset of, I know that this is what's going on, so therefore, you know, that person's full of shit, you know? Yeah. Right. yeah. And it's funny, and you can really see it when, when people, <laughs> you, you know when somebody's mind's made up when you're talking to them. You're like, oh, there's... Yeah. There's no point in me wasting my breath. I'm not going to get through here. And so, and that's okay. You know, people can, people can have their mind made up, but let me tell you something. The world becomes a lot more magical when you let in, when you let in Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. Man, I love it. I mean, that might be the quote of the the year right there. Yeah, I think it is. That was, that was strong. Um, Okay. Let me ask you this, man, because this is something I haven't heard yet on your show that, I'm kind of dying to know. I think your kids might be a little bit older than ours, mm-hmm. but you know, I want to get my kids into and slowly kind of have by taking them to this Bigfoot museum that's kind of local to us. I want to get them into Bigfoot, but without just scaring them to the point where they don't want to go camping. With oh, right. Them anymore, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so, like, did you approach that in in you know in a unique way, or were you just kind of like, well, I mean, I saw Bloodsport when I was five, so they'll be fine. right. You know, like, how did you? <laughs> How did you, how did you, uh, you know, approach that with with your kids? Well, I just let them break my balls about it all day long, especially <laughs> my daughter. You know, I'm really kind of not allowed to say the word Bigfoot around my house without getting a lot of eye rolls, and, <laughs> eye and rolls, you know, yeah. and it's water off the back. It doesn't bother me too much, yeah. you know. But I, I think, I think passion is going to rub off on your children regardless. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm easy to joke about the subject and, and I never and I always kind of play it off. Well, I don't know. There's there's something going on out there, you know, and they like mm-hmm. that. And but when they see me really sort of get passionate about somebody's eyewitness account or, or something I read, you know, you see you see some a mechanism working in the back of their mind that, whoa, my dad's taking this seriously. I wonder what this is about, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and, it's like and, a genuine reaction. Yeah, and so you know, I think I think passion rubs off, and and yeah. God, as a, as a small boy, as a small girl, I mean, you know, you're open to the world of of the imagination. You know, you're open. Yeah. You're open. Mm-hmm. Not that this stuff is imaginative, but you're you're open to the idea that this that the world is a vast place, and and God, anything can lurk around the corner, and. And if you can hold on to that through throughout your life, and man, it just—I don't know—it just it becomes richer, you know. So I think uh, for yeah. my son, he's interested in it. 
My daughter, she rolls her eyes a lot, and so does my wife. She really rolls her eyes. But then when Expedition <laughs> oh, Bigfoot too. comes on, I kind of force them to sit down, and, and I try and shut up as much as possible. And if I get, like, at an end of an episode, huh, you know, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, you right. Know yeah, then you win. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, I gotcha. Awesome. You know what I mean? Victory. So I'll take that, you know? Yeah, my, my oldest daughter, Amelia, is – she's six, and she's, you know, she's she's always been kind of artsy like me, and she's – you know, very imaginative and, you know, she's got into cryptids these last couple of years. And, but it's, it's funny because it's very like, she's really into it. And then the sun goes down and it's time for bed. And it's like, well, you've been talking about Mothman all day. And all of a sudden it's like, dad, I don't want to talk about Mothman anymore <laughs> because it's <laughs> right. like, suddenly it's like scary, you know, yeah. the lights are off. But, but, you know, I, I just continue to try to like teach her that. And I think it's important for parents to like, be like, you know, there's, there's something really great in in saying, I don't know. I don't know yeah. what it is. I don't know. Mm. And and I think for your kids to see that like, oh, well, my parents who are, you know, everything is set and they got everything together and they're taking care of me. I think it's good that they see sometimes that us as adults are like, I, I don't know. <sighs> and it's yeah. okay. Yeah. You know? I couldn't and agree with true. that more. That's, I mean... God, just hearing an adult say, I don't have the answers is is so refreshing. Right. We so often pretend to know everything that's going on in the world. Mm. And, you know, I guess one of the reasons why I love all this stuff under the umbrella of, of high strangeness is because, you know, I, I'm, I've always been fascinated with sort of Plato's three great questions. You know, who am I? Why am I here? Where, where are we going? Right. You know, and I, and mm -hmm. I, think, mm -hmm. I think all this stuff... Bigfoot included, uh, can really be part of that answer. I think it's an integral part of that answer as to who we are, the nature of our reality, where we're going, and just what the f*** is going on, you know? So yeah. Yeah. And there's a mystery at play. There's a mystery yeah. at play on this planet right now, and, and most people choose to ignore it, you know? Not me. Mm -hmm. well, well, I mean, and it's, you know, it's like the Arthur C. Clarke. I think it's Arthur C. Clarke. I get this wrong every time, but it's like magic is just science. Yeah. We don't yet Any understand. technological and, in, indistinguishable from, oh, God, I'm slaughtering that. But yes, yeah, any misunderstood, I'm going to paraphrase, any misunderstood technology, is it comes off as magic. Right, right. It's, uh, you know, it's there's weird stuff out there, and it's okay to say, well, I believe what I saw. I believe, like, the vibe of it. I believe that. There is like a genuineness about this thing, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, well, and that speaks so. to your wife's point of there's got to be a logical explanation for it. And you know what? She's probably right. I, I still believe that we're at the infancy of our sciences. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. I, I still, mm -hmm. there's, there's so much we don't know, you know? And I think people often forget that, that they think science has it all locked up and locked up and in a bag, and it's yeah. just not true. Right. You know what I mean? There's there's so much yeah. that we just can't explain for, and and therein lies the you know the key to what's what's taking place. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I don't want to take up too much of your time, so I don't know how much time you have. I've got left plenty of time, got. man. I'm not going. Okay, I'm really cool. enjoying the conversation. So, um, all right, whatever else you got, we can cool, cover. Because one thing we haven't brought up yet is uh, Willow Creek. Mm. Now, for our listeners mm -hmm. who haven't watched it yet. I highly recommend it. I will say I was, you know, I was kind of surprised. I didn't know this kind of going in, um, but you know, we get to, you see Bryce's buns for a second. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that was, I was like, whoa, okay, whoops, the daisies. I didn't uh, 
Didn't plan on that, but all right. So Bobcat Goldthwait, the director, I'll I'll get right back to what you were saying, just to touch on my buns for a second. He was like, <laughs> okay, so then this next scene, you're gonna you're gonna be. I want you to jump in the creek, and it's like, yeah, okay, great. And he's like, you know, maybe you want to do it. You know, uh, since it's a creek and you're out here alone, I mean, maybe you would do it naked. I don't know. And and I was like, wait, are you asking me to to do it naked? And he's like, well, I'm just saying, I mean, if it were me doing it, I would. And I was like, oh, well, of course I'll do it then. You know what I mean? <laughs> Challenge accepted, man. So Yeah. But he, he, he let Dude, me. Dude, that's, it's just hilarious, man. But, you know, one thing that I loved about the movie, first off, is it just feels so real. Yeah, it now, does. For me to say it's my favorite, like, sort of Bigfoot, themed movie or whatever isn't really get, giving you a, a, a ton of credit because really it's you know maybe the only bigfoot kind of movie that i've seen Who are your but second the harry and the henderson's just, for me yeah right right true but just in general i just thought man it is amazing your acting is incredible it is the just the way that it was done one thing that i've always that i wondered since though is like what was it like working with bobcat i mean does he because you know being a kid of the 80s I only know him, my, my sort of, yeah, exactly, the voice, yeah. right? Does he kind of kick into it every now and no, then, or is he just totally. like more straight-laced? No, and, I, and I, I think I had the gut instinct early on to never ask him to do yeah, yeah. the voice or about the voice, because when I first met him, it was an audition for his movie Sleeping Dogs Lie, and, uh, mm. and uh, he was directing Jimmy Kimmel Live at the time, so it was in the basement of the El Capitan Theater where they, where they filmed yeah. that, uh, the, not, the, not The Tonight Show, Jimmy Kimmel Live or whatever. But, um, and, and my first impression of him was, oh my God, here's a soft-spoken, sensitive, highly intelligent man, you know? Right. And, and after that movie, we formed a... Uh, just a bond immediately and and i've 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 done four films with him since and i just i love the guy and uh wow he's so intelligent about the story he wants to tell and Hmm. uh and it filming willow creek is is one of the highlights of, of of my career because it was just such a collaborative process so i had done a movie before with him i was in canada with my wife where she's from in vancouver Mm -hmm. And I get a call that summer out of the blue saying, you know, and, and as we've discussed, I already had an interest in the paranormal. He said, I'm thinking about doing a found footage Bigfoot movie. I wanted to know what you think. I was like, <laughs> I was like dude, <laughs> say no you more. just found your man, you know. <laughs> and that was it, man. I was off and running. And, you know, what little I had known about Bigfoot at that time, I knew I was interested. I I dove in headfirst into the research and, and yeah. uh and so a lot of what I say in that film is really just me, you know, talking about Bigfoot and the stuff I had researched and learned. And, and I mean, it really was only like, I found it the other day, it was like a 16 or 15 page treatment or script. So, mm-hmm. uh, wow. you know, most of that is just improv and pretty loose. And, yeah, it's very loose. And, but, but Bob knew how he wanted it to end and he knew, and he knew the beats that he wanted to construct. And he knew at some point he wanted to experiment by creating a very long scene in a tent. And, uh, man, yeah. dude, and that becomes a lot of people's favorite scene. And it was such a risk mm-hmm. because he was like, I'm just going to set the camera up in the tent. It'll just be you two. And, uh, and, and, and you're just going to hear sounds in the forest and then we'll just go with that. We're just going to try it. And the, 
And the scene ends up by being something almost like 19 minutes, which is just unheard of. Wow. I mean, it's yeah, it's almost it a, a fourth of the film, you know. And yeah. Uh, yeah. But man, people love that scene. I think just yeah, because yeah, I'm one of them, we're yeah. just experiencing. You know, we're so in it. Me and Alexi, the 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 actress who plays my my girlfriend, that we don't know what's going to happen, and and we're hearing sounds off in the woods and stuff being thrown at our tent and. Uh, and for me, this was very real because we actually filmed this in a place called Laos Camp, that very tent scene, which is where Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin camped out every night and Jeez, tied up their horses no. while they wow. went into, while they trekked into Bluff Creek and, and, and areas around that to look for Bigfoot tracks. So we That's were amazing. in it, man. We were right man. there. <laughs> so it, it, was, it was not hard for me to imagine you know, what that must be like or, or experience. Did you get a chance to kind of go and, and do your best to visit the, the exact area where oh, the footage yeah. was? Oh, well, we, you know, they, we, we, had, um, we had a few locals who were willing to take us to um, the Bluff Creek site, the actual site. And, and, mm -hmm. and since then, uh, there's a couple guys uh, around that area who have, who have started something called the Bluff Creek Project, and they've they've actually right. located the exact film site, and they oh, I was going to ask, yeah, it's, yeah, and they've do they know where the exact they, location the exact is. spot, and they've qualified it and they validated it, and so wow. and so they've done some great work on that. But yeah, they were going to take us down there. We never did actually go to the film site because it's just so it's so treacherous, and it's such a hike to get in there. Um, yeah. and, and we didn't, we didn't really need to, right. I mean, it, for my right. character, he's like, I want to go to the film site, but then shit mm -hmm. starts happening. So, right. uh, so we didn't, you know, to make sense of it, we didn't even really need to get to that actual spot, but, but we were, we were less than a mile away from it, you know? So, wow. Man. That's amazing. Now, some of the folks that you guys kind of talk to and stuff in the film, they're legit locals, yeah. right? Or yeah, absolutely. Some, wow. Steven Stroyford of Bigfoot Books. I mean, he's a... He's, a, he's an icon there. He's been in that area, and he's your l local legendary Bigfoot expert. Um, yeah. And, 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 yeah, there was a lot of witnesses that, uh, that, are, that are local to the area. I love – one of my favorite is the uh, – there was an old lady who she's like the head of tourism of Willow Creek, and it's a little booth. Mm. It's just a tiny little booth, and, and I'm <laughs> – and Bob's like, ask her if she believes in Bigfoot. I'm like, okay, you know, and – and I'm like, so do you believe in me? She's like, oh, no, you know. <laughs> of course, yeah. And I'm like, of course, you. how could you say that? You're the, you're the head of tourism of Willow Creek, which is a town yeah, right. built on Bigfoot. But, but she, she did. She did you guys run into anybody that was like kind of not hostile necessarily, but just kind of like, oh, boy, here we go. Well, yeah. I think people were very leery of Bobcat Goldthwaite coming in and making a Bigfoot movie. So he really had to send set everybody's tensions at ease right away saying, I'm not here to make fun. I'm not here to poke fun at people who believe in mm -hmm. Bigfoot or Bigfoot. Bobcat basically said, I'm, I'm one of you. I'm a weirdo. Mm -hmm. you right. Know? right. And, uh, and so I'm making a story about my fascination with this creature ever since I was a boy. And, and, and I think once people met him and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, got to sort of hear what their take was because I believe that, um, God, was it Bob Saget was was in that neck of the woods like just like a few months prior, like doing his shtick on a Bigfoot th something. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and so yeah. people were very leery of of how mm. Bobcat was going to approach this this film. But I think, much to their surprise, once they saw it, it it, it became. Um, 
a Bigfoot film that people could be proud of? Because I've seen a lot of Bigfoot films as we cover them on, yeah. on Bigfoot Collectors Club the Patreon. Yeah. And there's a lot of really shitty ones out there. So, a lot of bad ones. So <laughs> yeah. to be able to be a part of a film that I think people can kind of hold as close to their own in this in mm-hmm. this weird, strange little community, it's, it's something I'm very proud of. And, and I love yeah, when you should people be, man. respond it's, to it's, that film. It's amazing. And what's cool too is it's like even if someone isn't, or it doesn't have any interest in Bigfoot. The movie right. itself, like, take that aspect out of it, really, and the movie itself still holds. Mm-hmm. Like, oh well, thank up. thank you, know, you so just, much. I I, so I couldn't good, agree man. more. I I've seen it maybe like ten or plus times, and it's I still enjoy watching it. Yeah, I mean Tyler always you know pauses it at the moment. <laughs> well, it's my wife. She pauses actually. At the moment. <laughs> oh my god, I'm oh, blushing. Man. <laughs> well, I mean, I have like a series of questions that. Um, the kind of like a not necessarily a rapid fire, but sort of just like you know that has to do with more of the other stuff that we talk about on our podcast. Sure. But before I I do that, is there anything else you want to give us about any of those sort of Bigfoot uh, topics? No, I think we've covered with? a lot of it. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll just say you know as an early plug, we're in the midst of filming season three of Expedition I Bigfoot. I think fans are yes. going to be really excited as to some of the stuff we're finding and uh, man i know i was when we found it so and i mean i think this goes without saying but if you happen to triangulate some stuff and you know you come to georgia oh god you know, wouldn't that be you incredible get, you better give us a call i would love then, to handle um, you fellas man <laughs> yeah that would be sick BB guns in the backyard mm-hmm. if you do the old uh you know the bigfoot sasquatch museum is right up the road from us so yeah 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 it's really cool too well, it's actually Man, it's really, really cool. I yeah. hope one day to, yeah. to make make your acquaintances out that way. Oh, yeah. absolutely. All right, so um, the first one I've got for you is, what is your favorite 80s horror movie? Oh, my God. Um, it's a tough one. No, I know that's tough, because if you asked me that same question, I'd be like, well, man, dude, I don't... I mean, is, Critter, is Critters a horror movie? Yeah. It has a special, one. Has a special place in my dude, heart. Me too, man. Um, oh, that's awesome. Of all the planets in the galaxy, they chose ours. Dad's all torn up, and Mom's got, like, a harpoon sting in her neck, and they're getting bigger. Critters. <laughs> They bite. I mean, it's PG-13, and Critters 2 is also PG-13, but you see boobs. Right, right. It's got to have boobs, man. <laughs> I mean, if it's going to be one of my favorite. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I'll go with Critters, man. I, I don't know why. I love that Oh, that's that awesome. Movie. I love it, man. All right, so everybody has that kind of, like, guilty pleasure song that, you know, either it was just, like, their song with their girlfriend back in the 80s or early 90s, mm. or I'll give you an example. So for me, it was Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian. Oh, yeah, Times. that's a good one. And yeah. mm-hmm. it was from the soundtrack of uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and I mm-hmm. gave it to I gave a tape to this girl. It was going to be a mixtape, but I decided, why not just put that song back-to-back, both sides <laughs> A and B? So if you're listening to Robin Orlansky... This one's for you. But it's on loop, What girl. was your... You, do, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? If she wasn't picking up the vibe, I don't know what was oh, going Oh, that's on. so funny. But do you have a song like that? Oh, man. I, you know, it, it's funny. Speaking of girls it, and, and our song, I remember... I don't have a guilty pleasure song, uh, but I do remember, like, 
Peter Gabriel's In Your Eyes. Like, my girlfriend in high school at the time, we didn't last very long, but we were both like, yeah, this is our song. And when it comes on, we're just going to look into each other's eyes. And And then I'm going to hold a boombox above my head. And so just like, what? Oh, my God. Uh, So cheesy, Such a deep song for a couple, you know, deep 15-year-olds. Oh, very good. Um, now, this is going to be maybe the toughest question on the list, but that is, do you have a favorite cryptid? Mm. Oh, man. I mean, well, I mean, aside from Bigfoot, Bigfoot's my favorite cryptid. There's no doubt about it. There's there's nothing more close to, I think, of, you know, encapsulating all the mysteries than, than old yeah. Biggie. He seems, to, he seems to intersect with everything, and, and I kind of love that. But then that's Mothman, he, Mothman comes in right at a close second, yeah. man. That's that's a pretty yeah, strange phenomenon favorite. as well. Yeah, I've actually yeah. never thought about that until you said that. But he does cover such a wide range of like flesh and blood. Oh yeah, weird sort of you know. Yeah, I mean, and just and medicine. just the amount of sightings and and, oh, yeah. and evidence is 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 overwhelming. I mean, out of all the yeah. the mysterious, maybe. Maybe UFOs right up there too as well, but mm-hmm. I mean, God is just it, it never stops and it's always continuous. She's yeah. amazing. All right, Nintendo or Sega? Oh, Nintendo all the way. Boom. Yeah, same. Uh, Nike or Reebok? Oh, that's a good question. Um, man, I guess I guess probably Nike. Even though I, I do rem- do recall a dope pair of Reeboks I had. I mean, those, oh, yeah. For me, it was pumps, Nike man. until the pumps. That's what I was going <laughs> to say. Right. Yeah, those pumps were <laughs> sweet, man. Added like yeah. a half inch to my vertical. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, at least. Oh, man. Did you ever have like the kid in your class that like pumped it up too much and blew it oh, out? Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. That is yep. the best. Mm-hmm. I, do that you guys remember the... the um, like they were like these toe walking shoes. So it was like a normal like high, uh, uh, a normal like uh, sh- what a high top. That's the word I'm looking I for. I know exactly what and you're talking. And on the about. front of it, where you're where you're you know the front part of your foot is, it had this like like four inch platform, and so you yeah. would just walk on your toes, and it was to increase your vertical. And I remember well, this it was kid a, in it our was like high a calf builder. Yeah, it was like a calf builder shoe. Oh, my this kid, God, dude. This kid at our school, uh, his name was Marty. He would walk around and I would like be like, what the f*** are yeah. those things, dude? But then like by the end of the year, this kid was dunking. And we're like, I was like, really? oh, yeah. I'll shut the f*** up. Those shoes are working corrected. for you. I stand corrected. Dude, I have not thought of those. I mean, I, at first I forgot. I didn't even know what you were talking about. And then I finally, like, it hit me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, dude, yes. I remember those. That's amazing. <laughs> that is, yeah. Starter jacket or one of those Baja hoodies? Oh, man, uh, for me, I it was a San Francisco 49ers starter jacket. Yeah. And I... Yeah. I yes, Out of Michigan. Yes, for me, it was Atlanta, Atlanta Braves. Oh, yeah. yeah, I felt so cool and so dangerous, mm-hmm. too. I was like... Oh, yeah. You know, you could get jacked for that jacket. Yeah, let them come. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Bring it on. Just come get this jacket. <laughs> but, I, got, I got a pistol in this jacket. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, man. Skateboarding or rollerblading? Uh, skateboarding, man. My son's okay, a skateboarder, and I still have a longboard, so I, I, I like cruising the the streets man yeah skateboarding all the way yeah. were you more of like a vans or like airwalks kind of skater dude or, or maybe even converse also no yeah well I, I i i definitely went through a converse all-stars period because you could there was a time you could go create your own converse on their website and yep. so i loved creating the the inseam and then like you know putting my name on the heel you know riz and mm-hmm. i loved that and but they were too narrow so i can't 
I have a wide foot. I can't wear Converse too comfortably, but I do enjoy good Vans, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And those Converse, as cool as they are and classic, like, boy, they are flat as hell. Like, there is <laughs> yeah, no dude, support there's, feet. There's no support there, man. Not so, at all. As I'm, get, as I'm getting uh, well into my 40s, I'm like, you know, maybe a little support's not a bad thing. Yeah, I know. It's like, man, <laughs> yeah. my back's hurting. Well, you should stop wearing those cons, <laughs> so, man. No, this might get a little con- controversial here. Vanilla Ice or MC Hammer? Oh, dude, mm. let me tell you, that's not controversial at all. In, in high school, they used to call me Vanilla Bryce. Yo, VIP. Let's kick it. Because, Whoa. let me tell you something, I memorized every one of those dance moves from that video. And, you know, when I was when I was a teenager, I used to, like, listen to BBD in my room and just dance and practice oh, yeah. dancing yes, and dancing. Dude. I loved, mm-hmm. I loved, like, dancing. And so... When I got into high school and and that first dance came up, you know, Bryce Vanilla Bryce did his thing, man, and everybody man. got around in a circle around me, and it was like it was it no was way. my little moment, my time to shine, and uh, all that all that hard practicing in my room really paid off. I mean, for sure. I mean, well, I'll never listen to or I ne- I'll never hear Go Ninja Go Ninja Go. <laughs> Without thinking of you doing the <laughs> dance, man, that's amazing. Well, see, I, I was on the other side because when I was in fifth grade, uh, my mom rented me a tux, and I had a whole dance routine to Too Legit to Quit. Oh, yeah, yeah. And because I was so excited, I, like, burned through that routine and still had, like, the last half of the song. So it was like, just do it again. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh, oh my God. So embarrassing. God. Crazy. And then last, one thing that uh, Ty and I have gotten into this year, have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons? Come on. You know, I never did like a true blue campaign. I I had a a book or two on it, but um, I do recall playing Ninjas and Spies, which was was an RPG game. And I kind of dug that. um, but my son's getting into Dungeons and Dragons today, and I'm and I'm helping support that. And so, man, it's, I, I love it's it. Amazing. I just that whole that whole world creation thing. I mean, God, so enriching mm-hmm. for the imagination, you know. It really yeah. is, man. And so, obviously, there's always an open invitation if you ever want to hop into oh, like a little what you or like your son, shot. you and your son, bring them on. That'd be great. Yeah, Hell yeah, we got character be... sheets all written up and ready to go, man. Dude, so. dude, it's amazing, man. And there's so many like cool new, uh, you know, resources available like D and D Beyond. Oh and yeah. You can, Create it online, dude, and roll the dice from right there, and it does everything. Yeah, for you. yeah, it's, you, just, it's an intimidating your, world, man. Oh my god! Like even is, just man. trying to like uncover it for my son, I'm like, wow, there's a lot to there's a lot to look into. But he's starting to gather some friends who have mutual interest in oh, that, cool. and so I think we're going to help facilitate a yeah a D and D night here soon. Yes, nice, dude, I love it, man. I I know this is straight up uh, continuation of just fanboying out here, but like, man. No joke. It it just means the absolute world to us that you took the time to come yeah. on our show, man. I mean, you're super busy. You you got incredible things going on, and thank you so much. This has just been uh, it's just been amazing. Oh well, I I I I send that right back your way. I, I I love what you guys are doing. I'm a fan of your stuff, and 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 it, it's been my honor. I, I had a really great time talking to you guys. Checks today. in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome. Bryce, when you're not hanging out with us on our podcast, where's a good place for people to find you? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, you can catch me on mostly Instagram and Twitter. I'm uh, on Twitter. I'm at Bryce O. Johnson and on Instagram at Mr. Bryce Johnson. And uh, and that's it. Oh, and I also I also invented and created an adult party game called Dirty Picture Cover Up or DPCU yeah. for short. It's like if Cards Against Humanity and Pictionary had a dirty baby, then you would get DPCU. <laughs> and you can find that or order one of those at thedpcugame.com. And uh, what I it, it really is a blast to play. Um, so if you like uh, adult party games, check that out. Love it. Awesome, man. Well, again, dude, thank you so much, man. Hey, man, my I pleasure. Really I really appreciate it. you guys uh, having me on. Absolutely. Well, we'll have to have you back too, man. Well, folks, man, I don't, I don't even know uh, mm. where to begin, where to, uh, you know. But if this is any indicator of how much bigger, better, stronger, faster season better. two is going to be, I think we're off to mm -hmm. a hell of a good start. Good start. That's the way it
Um, man, I'm. Oh, dude, I got hack. I got hackers in the mail on VHS, mm. and I gotta tell you, dude, I like even you just sending that uh, <laughs> that little like weird teaser trailer thing for that scary movie. Oh yeah, I'm a little Looks weird, doesn't it? Scary movie, now, bro. Understand? <laughs> yeah. I kind of am too. I, I mean, didn't even. Oof. You didn't even watch them, bro. Uh, no, I did. Well, you watched. I a did. Couple. I did watch the new one. Yeah, go, dude. Please watch uh, part four. Oh, that's what I keep. That's really oh no, no, no. I, I did. About. I looked it up because you said that they were on HBO Max and I, and it's not on there. Yeah, I think they took it off. I think they're on Stars now. Do you have Stars? We used to, but we finally just cut the cord 